we're going to look at the model prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 6. And we are doing a series through this. We began looking at praying in Jesus' name. And then we've taken a couple of weeks to look at different parts of the Lord's Prayer and how we can apply that to our lives today. So in Matthew chapter 6, the prayer begins in verse 9. Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, some translations have, Who art or which art? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we looked at our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We looked at uh, exalting God and, and praising him. Uh, we looked at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And our need to uh, obey God right now. As Titus says, uh, we need to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Or rather that's what Paul wrote to Titus. And, and so we, we can do that right now. We, do, we know in heaven we'll be perfect. Uh, but right now we're not supposed to excuse our sin by just saying, oh, well, I'm human. No, you're not just human. You're a child of God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, set apart to follow God. And so we work at it and we strive to make his will be done on earth. And then give us this day our daily bread. I think it's interesting. There's so many people out there talking about the evils of bread. You know, you, you can't eat wheat. It, it destroys your body to eat wheat. I love give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> Amen. My favorite part of this passage. No. Uh, but uh, there are, you know, too much bread is bad for anybody. But we need sustenance. And some have said, well, see, what, what this part of the prayer is really all about, it's, it's about our need. Whatever the need is, Lord, just give us that need. It, in this context, give us this day our daily bread means give us this day our daily bread. It's talking about the sustenance we need for life. So let's look at this kind of a word at a time. Give. Give us this day. What do we mean by give? Uh, it comes up slower. That's why the second one popped up first. Anyway, uh, remember the daily manna in the wilderness? Every day God provided. And, and get, we are desperate to receive. You got that? Desperate. It's not like, oh, we hope to. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if? No, Lord, we desperately need from you. Uh, Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Job 12.10 says, In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. So some of the verses, 
should pop up on the screen, and some of the verses that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to turn to. So I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 17. Um, I don't know if it locked up. The other two uh, could have been up there. But uh, God, give is a, is a connection of our desperate need from God. And Acts 17. And so in Genesis, we looked at without God breathing into man's nostrils, man was what? Not just plain dirt. He was a fancy lump of dirt. There's a difference. You can get plain dirt in Texas. This was a fancy lump of dirt. God had formed man out of the dirt. But then he breathed into man the breath of life. So without that breath of God, man was just fancy dirt. And then in Job, in whose hand is the soul or the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. So your capacity to breathe is a gift from God. The, the fact that you can go, and some of you do that better than others. Some of you do that with the help of inhalers and medicine, and some people have oxygen on, but the capacity to breathe is a gift from God. And now in Acts uh, chapter 25, I'm sorry, chapter 17, Acts 17 and verse 25, um, uh, Paul is preaching at Mars Hill, and, and we're going to take two snippets of that message. Verse 25, nor is God worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath and all things. Had the weirdest thing happen at Trek the other day, uh, a week ago. Jim Ricosi, Jim and Cloyster gone to Japan for a while, and uh, Jim was... Uh, in here, and he was doing the opener for the kids, and he asked him, what's a talent that you have or that, that people have? And one of the kids says, being tall. <laughs> and I said, being tall is not a talent. There's some advantages to being short. And the kids are like, no, 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 way better to be tall. How many of you feel tall? How many of you don't feel tall? Losers. No. <laughs> Okay, that's not true. <laughs> that's what the kids were saying. And I said, there's some advantages to being smaller. You can buy smaller cars, buy smaller shoes. I mean, you look at our closet and Kathy's clothes compared to my clothes. My shoes, one pair of my shoes takes the space of, or, of two pair of her shoes. She could park her shoes inside my shoes. So there, being tall is, is not a gift. I mean, God made you the way he made you. And whether you're tall or not is like whether you have blue eyes or not. It doesn't matter. It's just the way God made you. So it's not a talent to be tall. It was really weird. Jim and I are looking at the kids like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And then we remembered they're middle schoolers, and that explained everything. All right. Verse 25 says, we have life and breath, and everything you have came from God. And God knows the exact moment you're going to exhale for the last time and not inhale. God knows. And you can trust him. 
You need to trust him for daily life just like you trust him for that day. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Also, some of your own poets said, for we also are his offspring. He quotes from a secular poet back in that day. But in him you live and move and have your being. So, I was uh, at the picnic last night. Tim said we had like 115 people out there for the picnic. It was great. We had hot dogs. We had, that's not so great. We had hot dogs. We had hamburgers. We had some delicious uh, egg rolls and some taquitos out there and some other stuff. And and it was good. And I watched the volleyball. I couldn't play because my knee's still a little sore. And, and I got home, I told my wife, I said, my knee hurts just from watching Ben play volleyball. Uh, I didn't get to play at all. Uh, but, you know, God gives you the capacity to move. So if you wake up in the morning and you try and go like this and, and try and go like that and this arm goes more like that, oh, that's okay. It's from God. God's allowing that in your life. And God will use it for good. You know, sometimes when uh, they say it's time to shake hands, Lynn Martinez does this. <laughs> I always go over and grab it to stop it. But uh, shake hands. God gives you the capacity to move. Your life is wrapped up in God. So when, when this prayer, the, this part of the model prayer, uh, the Lord said, Give us this day our daily bread. Your breath is a gift from God. Your hair or lack of hair is a gift from God. Your eye color is a gift from God. Your height is a gift from God. You are a gift from God. Everything about you is God's gift, and you desperately need it. So give us is a a plea that we need to be intimately, personally connected with God because we are totally Dependent on God for breath, for life. Second word, give us. We are interconnected to each other. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are interconnected to each other. There, there's an interdependency of humanity. You know, um, Benjamin and Meredith have a little five-month-old baby. Uh, Margaret is cute. She can make people smile just looking at the cute little baby. But Margaret can't do a thing for herself. She can't feed herself. She can't take care of herself. I mean... They could have a puppy, and the puppy would have just as much freedom. I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Babies are way better than puppies. In fact, somebody said if, if you have a puppy, you have a perpetual toddler. They can move around on their own, but they can't feed themselves or clean up after themselves. No. We are interconnected to each other. Now, we know the baby needs help. But we sometimes think, I don't need help. But we do. God designed you with limitations. He designed you with certain abilities 
and missing certain abilities. And together we compensate for each other's weaknesses. If you go on a sports team, how many quarterbacks play on the football field at the same time? One? Are you sure? <laughs> Not yesterday. There was a college team, had two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, and one quarterback threw a pass to the other quarterback and freaked the defense out. They didn't know what was going on. But normally it's just one quarterback at a time. If you don't know football, that's okay. God will forgive you. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at what the passage says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 that there should be no schism in the body. Now, the body here is not talking about your physical body. It's talking about this body of believers, the church body. There should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another, just like everybody in this church would rush to help Margaret if she needed help and her parents weren't right there. Everybody should be able to rush and help everybody else, because sometimes we all need help. And verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Like if you stub your toe, your whole leg hurts. And when you know a member in the church who's going through hard times, you support them. You pray for them. You help them. You minister to them. When one's suffering, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If one member gets certain honors, then we all celebrate and, and rejoice in that fact. I, I remember when, uh, when Thelma got her citizenship, and her U.S. citizenship. And remember we gave her the coveted Thumbs Up Award, and we all celebrated the fact that, that she's an American citizen. And that was fun for her and for us. And, and then he says in verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ and members, in, uh, members individually or in particular. You, we're the body of Christ. And so when we say, we don't say, Give me my daily bread. That's not how we talk. We say, give us this day our daily bread. So that I'm praying for me and, and for Ben. And Ben's praying for Ben and for me. And we're praying for each other. And we're connecting to each other. And we're recognizing an accountability to each other. Some people have the misguided idea that personal faith in God is personal. It's not. You have to receive Christ personally, individually. But at that exact moment, Christ then invites you into a family of faith where you are connected with other believers. And when you get to heaven, there's not going to be an isolated little pocket for you over in some corner. We're all going to be together and we're all going to be worshiping the Lord together. And there's going to be great joy and great fellowship. And there won't be any political divisions. There won't be any different faith divisions. We'll all be with the Lord all together, worshiping and praising Him. So if you think you can be a believer and be all by yourself, you're mistaken. That's not God's plan. Because God made you deficient. You are defective. You can turn to your neighbor and tell him that if you want. You are defective. 
Because God gave somebody else skills and abilities that you need. So you partner with them to see those needs be met in the body. That's God's plan. Give us this day. Give us this day. We can only live one day at a time. You can't relive yesterday. Now, if you blew it yesterday, there was something you did yesterday that's embarrassing. There are no do-overs. You can't live for tomorrow. Only God knows what tomorrow will bring. You can only live for today. Um, we were in Matthew 6, and there's another passage in Matthew 6. Um, let me read this verse, Matthew 6, verse 34. Unless, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This day, you can only live for one day at a time. And so we get all worked up wondering about what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, the, the only advantage of the election, an election being over is the political commercials are gone. Uh, there are no, everybody has this huge anxiety before an election. It doesn't matter if it's the governor or the president or for the Senate or Congress or state legislature or city council. Uh, people get all uptight. I remember the first time my dad ran for office. For a time, my dad was a state legislator and then he was a school principal and then a judge. But when dad was running for state legislature the first time, I remember we were sitting in his campaign and it was fairly close till about midnight, wasn't it? Fairly close. And Kathy was expecting Jessica, I don't know, eight months along or something like that. She was sprawled out on a couch there looking very comfortable. And, and uh, so uh, we're, we're, there's this anxiety waiting for the election to come in and what's going to happen. And it was tomorrow before we got the actual results and dad won and, and he made it in. But how many of you worry about tomorrow? Honestly, there's something about the future you worry about. You know what God said? Stop it. Stop it. Well, that's easy, isn't it? God says stop, we stop. Whoop! No more anxiety. No, one of the things you need to do is go to the Father who is near and pour out your heart before Him in truth. You need to go to God and deal with it. You need to trust Him. Because we are wired in our fallen state. We are wired with anxiety. We worry about things. People get in the car and they worry about how things are going to go. And they arrive safely. And most of the time, if you're honest, you worry way more than you thank God. And God said, let's turn that around. Let's worry less and thank him more. Because God is in charge of your day. So when you are in an anxious moment, and we could 
I could go through and describe a bunch of anxious moments that I know people in this church have been through this calendar year. But we won't. Just say, when you're in an anxious moment, here's what you need to do. You need to say, Lord, I choose to trust. And consciously thinking or saying those words makes a difference. Lord, I choose to trust you. And circumstances are beyond our ability. We do not control the circumstances, but we do control our attitude in the circumstances. So give us this day. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you this day. And then every day, get up in the morning, say, Lord, I'm going to trust you this day for what comes up this day. And keep choosing to trust him. Because he is ever trustworthy. Give us this day our, our. We don't receive what belongs to someone else. Our daily bread. Uh, Turn to John 21, please. John 21. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set before us. When I ran track years ago, um, there were different guys who ran different events. We had sprinters who would run the 100 meter and sometimes the 200 meter. We had short middle distance runners who would run the 400 meter and the 800 meter. And then we had the little bit longer distance guys who'd run the mile and the two mile. And then there were some guys who'd run on the relays and they'd run different things. And and the one of the things that was common, no matter what your distance was, you had to run in your lane. Because even on an international competition, if they're running 10,000 meters, uh, they start out, the, the race is going to be 28 laps around the track, but it starts out with a curved line, and you've got to stay in your lane for a bit of time. And if you cross over in front of somebody else, you can be disqualified. I remember watching Gwen Torrance, an American sprinter who was really fast, and Gwen Torrance running the 200-meter And she beat second place by more than 10 yards. It was a big gap. In 200 meters, that's a huge difference. But twice going around the curve, she stepped on the line. Those two steps on the line had her out of her lane by this much, both times. If you added those two distances, the short distance that it gave her uh, over the course of the whole thing, it made about that much difference at the tape. And she had a lead more than from that door to here. And she got disqualified because she'd stepped outside of her lane. You run the race that is set before you. But we don't want to do that, do we? We want to worry about other people. You're going through hard times. You want to see, is somebody else going to go through hard times? So in John, 
Jesus is talking to Peter, and Jesus is telling Peter how he's going to die. It's going to be difficult. You're going to not like it, Peter. History tells us that Peter was actually crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified the way his Savior was. He did not feel worthy. So the Lord tells Peter he's going to suffer as a martyr for his faith. And what does Peter do? Peter doesn't say, okay, Lord, I trust you for my life. What does he say? Then Peter, I'm sorry, it would help you to know which verse, right? Uh, John 21, verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Uh, They ate differently than we do. They would lounge down and lay on their arm with their legs back behind them. I would model it before you, but then you'd have to help me back up. So they laying down. And so when John, John leaned back to Jesus, it wasn't saying they were sitting in chairs beside each other and John was all hunched over on Jesus. No, he just leaned back on Jesus. And then verse 21, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about John? Okay, I'm going to suffer. What about John? I'm going to be put to death. What about John? And Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we got to say, okay, this is for me. Give us what pertains to me. We can as a church say, this is our provision. Uh, I, I have a friend who pastors a church in Arizona, and somebody just gave that church $150,000. Nobody's ever done that here. Let's pout. <laughs> God, how can you do it for them and not for us? Hey, we should rejoice for them. And somebody was just generous with us. They just didn't have that much available to be generous with. We, we just had a check that's going to help us take care of some needs in the church, and that's a huge blessing. But we worry about what other people get. Oh, somebody got a new car. What about me? Um, <laughs> my grandma gave me her car years ago, and... Uh, it was a Buick LeSabre, the color of dirt. They called it champagne. It's the color of dirt. I know what dirt looks like. And, but it was a nice car. And she just gave it to us. She couldn't drive anymore, and she wanted her car used for the ministry. And at the time, Kathy and I had kids in high school and teenagers wanting to drive regularly, and it was a huge, huge blessing to us. But another family member said, she should have sold that car and given it, uh, divided it up to every known relative and given them a portion of that. And I said, it was her car. She could do what she want with it. If she'd given the car to you, I would have been happy for you. It was her car. Hey, everything is God's. The whole universe is God's. He can do what he wants with it. 
He can bless somebody else financially when you're struggling financially. He can bless you financially when other people are struggling financially. The key is you receive what he has for you. And you don't receive what belongs to somebody else. And you don't covet and be greedy after what belongs to somebody else. Give us our daily bread. Now, see, in America, we are insanely spoiled. And, and we are. You know, Kathy and I were in Cuba. We went to Cuba. She went a couple times. I went about a dozen times mission trips into Cuba. And health-wise, I can't do it anymore. But uh, one year, somebody was talking with her about Americans. And she said, all you Americans are just spoiled. And she said, yes, we are. And I like it. <laughs> you know, we have way more choices for food. Uh, we can go out to eat. Now, not everybody can eat out as much as other people eat out. And some of us don't like to eat out all that much. And that's fine. But we can. There are options all over town. Casa Grande is not a big town. There's options all over where we can go out to eat. And if you like pizza, there's lots of pizza places. And if you like Mexican food, there's lots of Mexican food places. And if instead of eating, you like to go to the dollar store, we got lots of dollar stores in this town. Lots of them. But listen, you don't fret over what belongs to someone else. You receive what God has for you. Give us this day our daily bread. My grandpa lived into his late 90s, 99, I preached his funeral. It was really cool to be a grandpa and still have a grandpa. That was really neat. I was with a couple little boys this week. They just lost their grandpa. They don't have a grandpa now. I still had my grandpa when I was in my 50s. Receive what belongs to you. God will bless your life. God will provide for you. You trust God for you. And like Jesus said to Peter, Peter, don't worry about John. That's my business. You take care of Peter and you follow me. Give us this day our we, we need what belongs to us, not what belongs to someone else. We need to trust him for us. And then our daily bread. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 25. Daily. We have needs every day that require the blessings of God. Needs every day that require the blessings of God. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Give us this day our daily bread. 
uh, the Israelites had certain daily sacrifices that would be performed in the tabernacle and the temple. Samson endured temptation from Delilah daily. Eventually he gave in. Shame on him. Psalm 13 speaks of daily sorrow. Psalm 42 and 46, daily attacks by the enemy. Psalm 61, daily vows and duties that we have. Psalm 68, daily blessings from the Lord. Psalm 86 and 87, I'm sorry, 86 and 88, daily prayers to the Lord. Uh, Luke 9, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. Acts 5, they witness for Christ daily. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul described the daily care of the churches and the burden of it. James 2, 15 through 17, describe our obligation to care for those who do not have daily food. So in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread, uh, James says you are part of the answer to that prayer to help those who don't have daily food. Daily. Christianity is not about, I made a decision back when I believed and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and someday I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven, and in between, oh well. That's not Christianity. Not biblical Christianity. That might be contemporary Christianity, that's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, and every day I live with the awareness that this day could be the day the Lord calls me home. He could call me home individually. I could die of a heart attack or a brain aneurysm or a stroke or a car accident. It could happen individually, instantaneously. I could develop an illness that wears me down and eventually takes my life any day. He could also call all of us home. The trump could sound and, and we'd be raised up to meet with the Lord in the air and so would we ever be with the Lord. But someday we are all going to stand before him. And Christianity is about the journey, the process of walking with God every day of our lives. Not just the day we got saved and the day we see Him, but every day in between. Walking with the Lord all the way. Walking with the Lord every day. Going on the journey with Him. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Bread is an essential necessity of life. We need it. They say, well, we don't need bread. We just need meat. Well, I am an omnivore. I love meat. I love certain vegetables. And I love almost every bread out there. Uh, bre bread is an essential necessity of life. Without daily food, your body will weaken. Enough days without food, your body will die. At the end of a person's life, when they're struggling with cancer, or like my mom's case with uh, Parkinson's, and, and toward the end of her life, she couldn't swallow. You know, it was really hard for her to swallow. And so you'd give her a bite of food, and it'd be in her mouth, and then you'd help massage her neck for her to get it down. And she did not want a feeding tube. She wanted to go be with the Lord when she could no longer eat. And, and so when, when mom got to the place where she couldn't even get 
putting down, we called everybody to come. And everybody came. All the family was able to see her before she passed away. Uh, but uh, you, you, you go for a long, long enough time. Uh, the end of life for people who are really struggling and they can no longer eat, it's usually only a matter of a few days. It's not long. So give us this day our daily bread. As Lord, this, we desperately need you today. Uh, uh, we need your sustenance. So when, when we began with this, give us this day our daily bread, uh, that's, that's part of this prayer. But, but back in uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, there are other parts of this prayer too. Uh, bread is the fourth petition. Okay? In the model prayer, he says first, hallowed be your name. That's the first petition, Lord. We want your name to be exalted on our, in our lives. And secondly, your kingdom come. Your will be done. So we want your name to be hallowed. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. Now give us this day our daily bread. Bread is the fourth petition. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to learn from this that spiritual needs always come first. Spiritual needs always come first. We have other needs, but spiritual needs come first. So from this model prayer, we learn from Jesus that seeking God's glory is more important than your daily food. You say, wait a minute. Without daily food, I would die. Yeah? Without seeking God's glory, your spirit will die. You won't lose your salvation, but you will starve your spirit. The most important thing, hallowed be thy name. That's where we should really try and focus. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. So, if you have friends going out to eat, and you'd love to go out to eat with them, but you really can't afford to go out to eat with them, it's okay. You can hallow God's name. You can bring glory to God. Maybe you go home and eat a peanut butter sandwich long as it's crunchy peanut butter on wheat bread, then it's healthy. If you go home and eat a peanut butter sandwich and you don't go out to eat with them, that's okay. Focus on giving God glory. Don't fuss about what you don't have financially or physically. Seek to give His glory with whatever you do have. Whether you drive a new car that would just just came out of the factory, or you drive an old car that smells a little old factory, uh, you, you just, you trust God, and you serve Him, and you seek His glory. And someday, on that day, when you stand before Him, you will not regret having missed a meal. You will not regret having a sandwich instead of Olive Garden. But you will regret those days you did not seek His glory. Oh Lord, 
Give us this day our daily bread. Seeking His glory is more important than our daily food. We need to get real. We need to follow God. We want His glory in our daily life. We want His glory on our calendar. We want His glory in our prayers. So our prayers are not gimme, gimme, gimme. Our prayers are exalting the Lord and worshiping Him and praising Him and asking for needs that we have. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just between you and the Lord, you're not going to raise your hands. You're not going to do anything. Just between you and the Lord, are you seeking His glory? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you seeking His glory? You have daily need for His presence. Daily need for His blessing. Are you seeking Him with your whole heart? Father, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of, of invitation, a song where people have an opportunity to respond to you. I pray that our hearts would seek after you. Please, Lord, forgive us of any known sin that we have in our lives and, and give us the courage to turn away from those sins. Help us to trust you, to be less anxious, to be less jealous, to trust you with our daily bread, not somebody else's, but what you plan for us. And Lord, on this day, this day that we call the Lord's Day, when we gather in this place that we call the Lord's house, we gather together as the Lord's people. I pray that we truly would be the Lord's. But if there are people here today who have not trusted Christ as Savior, they would do it. They would ask Him to forgive their sins, ask you to trust, to be their Savior. Lord, we pray they would. We pray for believers who are struggling to exalt you, struggling to trust you. I pray that today they would say, Oh Lord, forgive my sin. Help me to trust. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing all the way my Savior leads me. Not the way He leads somebody else. All the way my Savior leads me. If there's a decision you need to make, step out and make it. Trust Christ as your Savior. Follow Him as your Lord. All the way He leads you, will you chase after Him as we pray.